Jeremiah chapter 31. I want to look just to the passage because it reminds us of the covenant that Christ has made for us. So in Jeremiah 31, and if you'll find verse 31, we will read this together. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Let's pray together. Father, what a powerful passage of Scripture that reminds us of the great promise that you made to your people. Lord, a promise that has been fulfilled in us, in every person that knows Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Father, as believers, sometimes I think we forget the awesome price that was paid. For our salvation. Father, I pray in these next few minutes that you would speak to us about that sacrifice. God, we would confess any sin that we might have committed that hasn't been confessed to you. We might seek your forgiveness through what Jesus Christ has done for us so that we can stand in your presence and celebrate this Lord's Supper with a pure heart and a pure mind. Father, so thankful that Jesus, my Savior, and our Savior went to the cross and paid the penalty of our sins, pouring out His lifeblood so that we might be forgiven. And Father, if there's some person here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, somebody here today that doesn't have a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would speak clearly to them and help them understand the great love that you have for them, that you would send your only Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty of their sins that they might be forgiven. Lord, I pray that this day would be a great and new day for them, the day of their new birth, that as they put their faith and trust in Christ. And Lord, I pray that and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible teacher Martin DeHaan has written, The Bible is a book of blood, wholly distinct from all other books, for just one reason. Namely, it contains blood circulating through every page and in every verse. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the stream of blood. As we think about the blood that Jesus Christ has shed for us and why it's so important, 
You need to understand as you go to the New Testament, as you read, there are only about 290 references to the love of God. Now that's a lot, isn't it? Jesus talked to us a lot about God's love and about how much God loved us. But do you realize there is over 1,300 verses that refer to uh, the atonement or the at-one-ment? That's the way I kind of like to look at it. The thing that brings us into a relationship with God, the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made, there are over 1,300 references to it in comparison with only 290 references to God's love. We come to Jeremiah 31. There is a nation that is in bondage in Babylon. And the reason they're in bondage is because they continually rejected God's word. They continually ignored the first and the second commandments. Anybody remember what that is? Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And number two, thou shalt not make for yourself any graven likeness or graven image and fall down and worship that image. God's people continued to disobey God's law and disobey God's covenant. The covenant, as God talked about, that He had made is the new covenant that God's going to make is not going to be like the old one. The old one is found in Exodus 19, if you want to go look at it when you get home today. But God says basically in that passage of Scripture, if you will obey me, then you will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people for my own possession. You will be a special treasure unto me. Unlike all the, all the earth belongs to God, but in that sense, God's people were to be a special treasure unto Him. But there was one qualification. They had to obey. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, and I'm reading through my Bible this year, and so I'm somewhere, I think I began First Kings this morning. I'm about a month ahead, which is really unusual because I'm usually about a month behind. Anybody else? Can, can I get a witness here? Y'all do that too when you're reading through the Bible. But uh, I've just gotten really excited about reading, and I just keep reading and reading and reading. But one of the things that you're just absolutely overwhelmed with is the fact that Israel never really obeyed God. Never. They never really obeyed God. And I talked about that Wednesday night. If you haven't seen the video from Facebook or uh, listen to the podcast, please try to do that. But basically what happened was God's people refused to live by the stipulations of the covenant. And God had warned them, if you obey me, you will be blessed. But if you disobey me, you will be cursed. You will experience the same curses that the people that I'm going to drive out before you, they've experienced. God was so gracious and so loving to these people. He continued to send prophet after prophet after prophet to call them to repentance, to come back into a right relationship with Him. What they would do is they would disobey. They would start worshiping idols. God would allow them to experience the consequences of their actions. And typically what that meant was there was a foreign nation that would come in and rule over them. And they had no, they were slaves more than, more than anything else. They were just simply slaves. The thing that God had really set them free so that it wouldn't have to be slaves. But they chose that kind of lifestyle. And they would begin to cry out to God and God would send a deliverer. God would take care of them and, and they would have a covenant renewal ceremony. They would renew the covenant with God and say, God, we are going to be obedient to you. And it wasn't any time after things started going well that they returned to the worship of idols. 
Until God finally says, enough. And God sent them into bondage for 70 years to pay for their own obstinacy, their stubbornness, their hard-heartedness, their rebellion against Him. So when God writes to the prophet Jeremiah, these people are in bondage. And what God wanted them to understand uh, was the old covenant wasn't working. You know why it didn't work? Because you have sinful people with a sinful nature that literally could not keep God's laws. I talked about Wednesday night. I just kind of briefly mentioned it in passing. The Holy Spirit didn't live in the lives of those people. Now you and I know how much a struggle it is, right, to be obedient to God, having the Holy Spirit living within us. Can you imagine what it was like to try to be obedient to God's law without having the Holy Spirit to give you support and guidance? And strength to be able to obey God's voice. So God, what was needed was not another covenant renewal ceremony. What was needed was a new covenant. And so that's what this particular passage tells us about. It tells us about the enormous price that was paid to institute a new covenant on our behalf. This new covenant God says that I'll make... It says, I'll put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. The new covenant, as the Bible talks about, is the new covenant in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. This cup is the new covenant in my blood Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, when He instituted the Lord's Supper, He took the cup and He said this, When He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you and I come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are remembering the ultimate sacrifice that was made on our behalf. We remind ourselves and we proclaim to the rest of the world that Jesus shed His precious blood so that we might experience forgiveness, so that our sins might be forgiven. You and I stand here today in the power of the cross because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. He shed His precious blood so that we might be saved, so that we might enter into this new covenant. We're sinners. We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. And we all choose to rebel against God. Before we are saved, there is no way we can be put back into a right relationship except through The sacrifice that Jesus Christ made at the cross. God's word says this to us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Would you like to have your sins forgiven today? Would you like to have them washed as white as snow? What can wash away my sin? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin is part of this new covenant 
only because God provided a substitute to die in our place. God is very clear in the Old Testament, the soul that sins will most certainly die. That's what the Bible says. The only way that you and I could, could escape that death, that eternal, and it's not just talking about physical death, it's talking about eternal death. The only way that you and I can escape that is if there is a substitute who dies in our place, paying the penalty of our sin so that we might be forgiven. And Isaiah the prophet reminds us it is by his stripes that we are healed. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, we can be forgiven. In Exodus chapter 12, God wanted His people to understand the importance of blood. For the Jewish people, you know, you and I, when we think of life, we think of the heart, right? Heart beating, that's kind of our symbol for life. Well, their symbol for life was blood because God had told them the life is in the blood. When God began to and got ready to deliver the children of Israel from the house of slavery, He told them if they wanted to be spared death to their firstborn children, they had to kill a lamb and the blood had to be shed and the blood had to be taken and put on the mantle the over the top part of the door as you go in and on the, on the, on the, door, the lentils on the doorpost right before you went into the house. And this is what the Scripture says to us. It says to us, God said, When I see the blood, I will pass over. When I see the blood, I will pass over this house. I will pass over. It'll be protection. In other words, their protection was in the blood. How can you and I be saved from the wrath to come? How can you and I not experience the death for our own sins? It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you and I have forgiveness. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Guys, as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, our hearts ought to cry out in praise and thanksgiving to God that we don't have to experience the second death. We don't have to experience eternal death. We have forgiveness because God instituted a new covenant. And you and I can become a part of God's family. You and I can enter into a relationship with God when you and I accept God's payment for our sin, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ willingly poured out His blood for us. God made a new covenant for us. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Think about that sacrifice. Think about the cross for a minute. Everything about that thing was, had blood written all over it. We think about how Jesus was scourged to literally His flesh was flayed off of his back. Can you imagine all the blood that he must have lost? We think about the crown of thorns that was placed on his head and pierced his brow 
Blood must have mingled with sweat, must have been running down in his eyes, making it almost impossible for him to see. As the hammer by the Roman soldiers hitting that nail, with every strike, blood was spurting from the hands and the feet of Jesus. When the Romans wanted to know if Jesus was actually dead or not, they shoved a spear, a lance, up into his side. And the Bible tells us that blood and water came out of that wound, signifying his heart had ruptured, that he was most certainly dead. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, there is no forgiveness of sins. Andre Crouch sang a song back when I was growing up. One of the first concerts I went to was Andre Crouch. And he sang this song, The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. The blood will never lose its power. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing that has the power to bring forgiveness to our sins. In a little bit, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I pray that as we partake of these elements, we will remember what great cost God paid so that our sins might be forgiven and we might spend eternity with Him in heaven. Before that, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God's message today. If you're here today and you're a Christian, and you're still holding on to some sin in your heart and in your life. What an affront to holy God. What an affront to the Lord Jesus Christ who shed His precious blood that your sins might be forgiven. Why in the world would any Christian choose to live in open and blatant sin when your sins can be forgiven? So if you're here today before we celebrate this Lord's Supper, if there's something in your heart and your life that you need to do business with the Lord about, this invitation time will be an opportunity for you to do that. Maybe you just need to kind of spend some time here at the altar. Uh, maybe you need to spend time where you are praying with your head bowed. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, you need to do that. But if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God's Word is still as true today as it's always been. The soul that sins will most certainly die. He will surely die. And as you go to the end of the book and you begin to read in the book of Revelation, every person's name who's not written in the Lamb's book of life, in other words, every person who does not have a personal relationship with God through what Jesus Christ did at the cross, they will be cast into hell, which as the Scripture calls it, the second death. The Bible says really clearly, it uses the same word for eternal life as it uses for eternal death. Now, I've heard people today say, well, hell's not going to, it's not real or it's not going to last forever. Guys, the same word, if, if eternal life is real and it's forever, then eternal death is real and it's forever. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God, God has done everything possible for you not to go to hell. He sent 
His only Son to die on the cross, who shed His precious blood that your sins might be forgiven. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment we're going to stand, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I want you to just come from where you are and take my hand and say, Pastor, I know my sins have not been forgiven. And I want to ask forgiveness for my sins, and I want to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life to be my Lord and my Savior so that I can experience that forgiveness that you're talking about. So let's stand together. I'm going to ask Adam if he'll come lead us in a hymn. And as the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, would you honor him?